It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, lawless student loan cancellations. Much more in the details there. One, separation of powers, contract law, and uh, much more. Michael Poon, attorney at Pacific Legal Foundation, joins me. Michael, uh, the lawsuit is necessary, so let's uh, start there. All right. Thanks for having me, David. So the lawsuit was filed yesterday, and it's basically just pointing out that there is nothing in the law that allows this administration to wipe out half a trillion dollars in student loan debt for 40 million people. There's just nothing in the law that allows that. What what are and I mean I guess I to bring it down to the the you know the level of uh, the street level of understanding uh, key elements of this one yes they're not allowed to do it constitution contract law but what strengthens the argument against the administration sure so the the specific argument against the administration is they're trying to use a statute called the Heroes Act. Uh, to to make this cancellation go through. And the problem with the HEROES Act is it doesn't cover this sort of thing. The HEROES Act was passed in 2003. It was meant to sort of help veterans and their families in emergency situations. And what it says is if someone is impacted by some sort of disaster or emergency and it puts them in a worse position with respect to their student loans, then uh, then the Secretary of Education can go in and sort of help them out. And this is the sort of the situation this is thinking of is you know, you're in downtown Manhattan, there's a terrorist action, uh, all the banks close, you can't make your payments because all the banks close, you go into default. And then in that sort of specific situation, right, the Secretary of Education can help you out. It's not meant to be a covering the sort of situation where we declare the whole country a disaster area. And that means the Secretary of Education or the President can just sort of do whatever they want with all of the student loans in the country. So let's take another term and, and tell me how and if this applies, and we'll dig a little bit more into this. Uh, broad discretion, uh, you know, that principle being applied, we've seen it before in other cases uh, by the Obama-Biden administration with DACA, for example, uh, and in other times uh, by by this administration, they want to use it. Uh, to any group. And it's like you said, nationwide, you're the specific of, say, a New York City terrorist attack, a lot different. So is this also part of the fight against this, this abuse of the principle of discretion? Absolutely. If anything like this program is going to go through, it has to go through Congress. The founders put the lawmaking power in Congress for a reason. It's because it's the most accountable branch. It's the branch that it separates the lawmaking power from the executive power. And Congress has refused to pass student debt uh, forgiveness several times now. Uh, uh, the, several bills have been introduced and they've been rejected. So people may not like that, but Congress is the one that has to make that call. And I think you're right, uh, pulling on those other instances of executive action, whether it's uh, forcing people to get vaccinated, whether it's the eviction moratorium, or whether it's wiping out half a trillion dollars in student loan debt for 40 million people, I think the country has gotten used to hearing from the president or from some executive agency, hey, we're just going to do this now, this really big thing, we're just gonna do it. And 
uh, I think we've gotten used to that. And I think that's really dangerous because the founders put the lawmaking power in Congress for a reason. Let's look at other parties, uh, Michael, that may be important to this. Uh, other other institutions, if you will. I mean, we're talking about a wide range uh, application if this administration were to be successful in doing this. And, and I got to tell you, part of me says that this is in many ways a political ploy, knowing there would be a lawsuit to you know, run for election, something to run on. But now we're talking about forgiving, uh, you know, various types of grants, Pell or otherwise. I mean, th- this is just—it's almost so big. You want to say that? I wonder if they thought they could get away with it. But who else would be involved, party to this in some way, and who would be the losers in this? Well, I think the losers, that's an easy question to answer. I think all of us would be the losers because I think all of us are harmed when the fabric of our government, the structure of how it's supposed to work to protect our liberty, when that structure is ignored and denigrated, that makes all of us losers. It doesn't matter if we get some sum of money in return. Uh, and and I know that's, that's hard to, to say to people who may be in a tough spot, but what I, th- I think another group of losers in this is people who are going to go to college in the future because the price of college has skyrocketed because of government intervention, because the government keeps pouring in money to the higher education system, and this is just another step. And this means the price of college will just keep on rising and there will be more people with more debt in the future. And that, this has to stop now. You know, for those who think they're being forgiven, aren't there a couple of other traps depending on the state? If it's classified as taxable income, should they get it? Absolutely. There are at least six states that are set to tax loan forgiveness uh, as income. And that could mean a tax bill. In, in, our, in our case, for example, the plaintiff, he's going to face a tax bill of uh, over $1,000 in April. And that $1,000, you know, you may get $10,000 wiped off the back end of your student loans, but a lot of people can't afford that $1,000 right now. And whereas that they'd be willing to give up the $1,000 perhaps in order not to have that $10,000, even if it means not having that $10,000 come off of their loans on the back end of their student loans. What else uh, do the people, again, case filed yesterday, and as you mentioned, your plaintiff, Frank Garrison, I should have mentioned that earlier. Uh, So this is the case before the court in southern Indiana. But uh, what else do people need to know about this? Because obviously there are people who may fall into that camp, or into that group of, of, you know, potential student loan forgiveness. And, of course, those who oppose it, I mean, I look, I oppose it on a simple basis, among many others, of contract law. You have made and executed a contract. Right, absolutely. And so what I would say is that for people who think they may be affected because they live in one of these states, it's Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Missouri, Arkansas, and North Carolina, and who think they may be eligible for this automatic forgiveness that the administration is putting out, eight of the 40 million people are going to get automatic forgiveness, so they wouldn't have the chance to opt out. Uh, those people should uh, are welcome to come to our website and uh, notify us with our, with our contact page and let us know if they'd be interested in joining the suit. We are looking to add more people to the lawsuit and uh, would welcome that. 
Right. You get, get those amicus briefs uh, and uh, keep moving forward. Uh, next steps in the lawsuit, Michael. The next steps in the lawsuit uh, are up to the court, really. What we'll filed is a motion for temporary restraining order, and that asks the court to stop the program now from going forward. And we've asked for the court to rule on that by tomorrow. So we'll see what the court does. But either way, I anticipate that this will be appealed. All right. We will see. And I'll be watching carefully. This this is a this is a massive uh, one, massive financial hit in many ways. We're talking half a trillion dollars. I mean, CBO says 400 billion. You know, what, what what's 100 billion between friends and taxpayers here? I I, I dare say, Michael. Absolutely. And I will point out the Wharton School, an independent study, said that it would be up to $519 billion. So, uh, you know, I think the the Biden administration said it would be around half of what the CBO said and what the CBO said, maybe even lower than what it would actually cost. But all of this is beside the point, whether it's $200 billion, $400 billion or $500 billion, it's a huge sum of money. But even if it weren't a huge sum of money, this sort of action should go through Congress. That's who is supposed to make these sorts of decisions. And we have to hold on to that constitutional structure if we're going to hold on to how America functions and the liberty that it protects. The cynic in me wants to handicap this, but I'm going to resist that temptation right now. Michael, uh, looking forward to tomorrow, not only to see what happens, but I uh, help guide us to future steps. Uh, We'll be following this case together. And uh, thank you guys over at Pacific Legal for what you do to fight these, fight these overreaches of government. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Thank you. Michael Poon, attorney at Pacific Legal Foundation. And again, uh, their, their attorney, by the way, employee Frank Garrison, filing suit against Biden's loan forgiveness program. Call me cynical on the politics of this. You know, there's always more playing politics, knowing it would be challenged, not, not surprising there. You can join me live on The David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.